Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. All right, let's dive into this morning's message. James chapter 3. I need to get my Bible open there. So what are the most famous words of the week? You know them. I'm only here. Thank you. Right? Marshawn Lynch has the most famous words of the week. They have been quoted and requoted all week long. And here in the home of the Super Bowl, we especially have heard those words. And I think we can all tell there's a little bit of something behind those words. That there's a little bit of frustration, maybe even hurt and anger that's going on behind that. And in fact, that was confirmed on Thursday when Marshawn was re-interviewed. And I, I won't read the whole interview, but he, it's clear that he's not happy. Hey, look, I mean, all week I told y'all what's up, Lynch said. It's really good. I'm from Louisiana. Uh, spent a little time there. He's got a lot of y'alls. And for some reason, y'all continue to come back and do the same thing that y'all did. Can you hear the frustration in those words? Later on, he says, look, all my requirements are fulfilled. Now, you know in a relationship, whether it's a business relationship like this one or a family relationship or a friendship, when someone goes like this, they hold their hands up and say to you, I've done everything required, that there's a little bit something going on because relationships are not simply about doing all that's required. And if we're going to talk about taming mouths and minds, we have to talk about it in times when it's really challenging to tame our mouths and minds. We're not just going to talk about it in terms of every day, although we all can use the help there too, but this morning I really want to talk about it in emotional situations, challenging situations, places and times where we've been hurt, we're upset, we're angry, and we can feel that welling up within us, and now it's a true struggle to watch what we say to watch what comes out of our mouth. And, and you know that even in, in, in people that have great training in this area, some of the best coaches in the world who are all about teaching players physical self-control of their bodies have gone off on huge rants. What's the most well-known rant in Phoenix? Dennis Green, thank you, right? They are who we thought they were. And, and this Oklahoma coach, Mike Gundy, who got extremely frustrated, and this is almost righteous anger, and, and he says, I'm 40, I'm a man, attack me, don't attack one of my players, Maybe some of you remember Herm Edwards, who goes on this huge ESPN rant, and, and, the, and the, famous, the famous line in Herm Edwards is, we play to win the game. You've seen him. And you've seen him not just from men who are coaches, you've seen him from Alex Baldwin, Tom Cruise, 
all kinds of guys. Mel Gibson is famous for them. And maybe, if we're honest, the cameras were always trained on us. Someone would have caught a rant or two coming out of our own mouths at times, maybe more than once. I'm pretty glad that there's not a camera always following me around. And that's why we need to talk about this, because what James tells us is every one of us struggles with controlling what comes out of our mouths. And even when we've gained pretty good control of keeping our mouths quiet and shut at the appropriate time, there's still a lot going on inside of our hearts. So I want to dive in this morning, and I'm excited to teach you this morning, because James really helps us with God's secret to gaining and, and controlling uh, con- control of our mouth, gaining control of our mouth and taming our mouth and mind. It's stuff that I'm excited to share with you, and it's completely different from what you might hear out there in the world. What James has to teach us in the scriptures inspired by the Holy Spirit is, is truly amazing stuff. Now, I'm not going to start in the book of James. I'm going to actually start with the book of Ephesians. So, Take out your notes, let's take a look, and this is where we start if we want to have control of our mouths and our minds. Look at what Paul says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Now you'll notice I bolded those words, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, and there's a similar phrase that follows this now, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. When we learn from the wisdom of the world, often if you'll step back and notice, the teaching that we get about self-control often starts from the outside and is intended to work its way in. And I talked a lot about this in week one of this series. God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus' little brother James take a, a wholly different approach to this. It's clear there must have been some contentiousness going on amongst these believers that had scattered out throughout the Roman Empire because of the persecution that broke out after the death of Stephen uh, in Jerusalem. And as I mentioned several weeks ago, James is the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He stayed behind in Jerusalem, and now he's writing this letter out to all these scattered Jewish Christians who spread out throughout the entire world. They're in Asia Minor. They're, they're north of Israel. They, some of them have gone down to Egypt. Some of them have spread out as far as the city of Rome. And, and uh, James is writing to them, and he's saying, look... Um, it's clear you guys are are fighting with each other. And and as we read the Apostle Paul, we see, now moving from James back to Paul, we see that Paul tells us that we have to connect with our Savior and begin with the inside and move out rather than the outside and move in. I want you to underline a couple phrases here. Just as in Christ, underline those words, and just as Christ. James starts with the heart. Be kind and, or Paul starts with the heart. Be kind and compassionate. That's the heart. 
Walk in the way of love, he says in verse two. That's the heart. And then where does he point the eyes of your heart? He points the eyes of our hearts to Christ. How did Jesus deal with you? Did he have every right to be angry and upset with you because of your sins? Of course he did. Does he have every right to punish us because of our sins? Of course he does. But instead of justice and and righteous wrath being poured out on us, Paul says, remember how Jesus dealt with your sins. And when you're dealing with the hurt and the pain and the anger that comes from the sins of others imposed on you and hurting you and angering you, turn the eyes of your heart to Jesus. Remember how he dealt with you just as in Christ God forgave you. And how did Jesus deal with us? Paul says, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is how Jesus dealt with us. When we start to feel ourselves becoming angry and frustrated with others, brothers and sisters in Christ, family members, friends, coworkers, what Paul would tell us is take a moment, step back, and go to Jesus. And before you say anything, before you do anything, recall how Jesus has dealt with you, and then in prayer, pour out your hurt to him first. And if that other person is right in front of you, you might have to take a moment and just, and just put them on pause and say, hold on just a minute, before I respond, I need to pray, I need to reconnect with the Jesus who loved me, I, I need a moment. You might have to leave the room for a little while. You might, whatever you have to do to get so that that hurt and that anger does not just bounce right back on that person, first turn the eyes of your heart to Jesus and remember what he did for you and then tell him your hurt, tell him your anger, and then come back and talk to the person that you're dealing with. Because when you get back, You're going to want to remember how powerful your words can be. Take a look at what it says in the book of Proverbs. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Man, you and I have experienced this. When when Jonathan, and I've heard so many people tell me this, when, when Jonathan Weekly stands up here, leads us through a confession of sins, and then after that confession of sins says, I just want to remind you, that Jesus died for those sins, that he rose again to gain victory over all sin, death, the power of the devil. You are free. You're a dearly loved child of God. I've had so many people comment on how beautifully Jonathan does that. And Jonathan does handle that beautifully. But you know what is really the truth? He's just simply reflecting what Jesus has told you all along. That you are forgiven. You are loved. Those gracious words of forgiveness are healing to our bones. They're sweet to our soul. And when we're in conversation with one another, it's so important for us to remember the power of our words to bring healing and and to bring sweetness into life that so often is very, very bitter. 
I, I want you to write this first thought down as we examine what James is about to tell us because this is where it has to start with Jesus, with the gospel, with the good news of our forgiveness. A kind mouth and a calm mind comes from reflecting on Jesus' mouth and mind. Jesus is hanging on a cross, crucified. And what are the words that come out of his mouth? Father, forgive them. Jesus is hanging on that cross because of your sins and mine. And what are his words to us? Father, forgive them. And as we reflect on that, it brings a whole different perspective to the conversations that we're gonna have even when we're angry and hurt, maybe especially when we're angry and hurt. So let's now dive into the book of James. What many of, not, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers. It's chapter three, verse one, if you've got your own Bibles open. Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. This is an important statement because it tells us that the mouth is something extremely difficult to control. And James starts out by telling the people that are these Christians scattered by persecution, not all of you should aspire to be people who teach others. And I think that's important for us to hear because he's really saying the mouth is extremely difficult to control. Even today, we're, we're a little bit careful about promoting people and sometimes, and I, and I think it's, it's very important for us to, to hear this because sometimes the impression can be given that not only do we want everybody at Crosswalk in a growth group, but we want everyone at Crosswalk to aspire to be a growth group leader. James tells us we need to be a little bit careful about that. Yes, we love it when people raise their hand and step up to lead a growth group or to teach a class. But James also says, be careful. And there are other places in the Bible where it says, be careful about how quickly you elevate someone to the position of a teacher because there's a lot of responsibility. Anyone who's been a pastor, anyone who's stood before a stand like this knows there's a little bit of fear every time they get up to, to preach or to teach. And a, and a big old prayer, Lord, help me. Holy Spirit, fill me so that I say only what you've given me to say. No more and no less. But I think there's another important point for all of us in this. There's some research that's been done about how we listen to one another every day. And the research shows that the most typical listening position that you and I adopt when we're just in everyday conversation is, is from what they call the judge's bench. That as you're talking to me, the most likely position that I'm going to take is going to be evaluating and trying to figure out whether I agree or disagree with all the words that come out of your mouth. And that even while you're speaking to me, I'm thinking in my own mind about, do I agree with that? Do I disagree with it? Am I gonna argue with it? Am I gonna make a counterpoint or am I gonna pat them on the back and affirm what they just said? Because the most normal listening position, now couples, think about this. You're sitting at the breakfast table 
having breakfast, talking about the day's events, and you're already on the judge's bench. And everything that comes out of your spouse's mouth, you're judging, is that right, is that wrong, do I agree, do I disagree? And, and the, the, the wonderful thing about understanding this is, is this. Do you realize there are other positions that you can listen from? And that you can actually choose what position to listen from. You could move, for example, from the judge's bench to the student's desk. And go back to like first or second grade where you weren't quite so much of an evaluator because as a young boy or girl, you trusted the adult that stood before you in that room and your goal there was not to judge or evaluate, it was to absorb. It was to take it in and to learn as much as you could from that. Some of you are very good at listening from another position. That's just your default mode, your personality. You listen as a healer, as a physician for someone's spirit. And instead of constantly judging and evaluating, some of you are very good at going, you know what, I don't, I don't need to judge or evaluate. I need to watch this person's emotions and what they're feeling and, 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 and try to soothe them and, and heal them. The Proverbs verse would be your favorite verse. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Whatever your natural listening position is, and there are many more, here's what I want you to understand. You can choose what position you listen from. And James is saying, be careful about constantly listening from the position of a teacher, which is really pretty much the same as listening from the position of a, of a judge, someone who already knows and someone who has the authority to correct the one they're listening to. Be careful with that. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. This is so beautiful because what, what James is really saying is be humble. When, when you're interacting with other people, when you're talking, conversing, remember, you've stumbled too. You've had your moments, and while you're judging them, remember what Jesus said? How we should approach listening to another person? Before you pull the little splinter out of their eye, first make sure that you've got the log pulled out of your own eye. That was specifically designed for those people that love to listen from the judge's bench. And he's saying, along with James here, realize you're sinful too. Realize you've made your mistakes, you've done your harm, you've hurt others before this person has hurt you. We've all stumbled in many ways. And anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect. Able to keep their whole body in check. So as we come, here's, here's something James, something important James is teaching us. Be real. T take, take that crosswalk tagline, real people, real faith, and start right there. Be real, be authentic. Come humbly in your conversations with one another. So write this down, a tame mouth starts with humility of mind. 
And now James is gonna say, let's deal with a lie. And this is a popular lie, and it's especially popular still today in our culture, 21st century America. You were taught this lie when you were still a young student in school, maybe even one of those teachers that you so trusted taught it to you, or you came home after school and your parents taught you this lie, you know it very well. I'll just start the lie and you can finish it. Sticks and stones will break my bones. See how well you know that lie? But did you know that it is a lie? That's a satanic lie. It's not just your garden variety lie. That's a satanic lie. Because it sets you up with a completely false expectation about the power of words. Words, as we just saw from the book of Proverbs, are exceptionally powerful. They can powerfully heal, but what James is about to to tell us is they can wreak havoc. They can do powerful damage. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Think about, we live in horse country. A little piece of metal can take a horse, turn it left, right, get it going, stop it, make it jump, make it dance and prance. That little piece of metal in this powerful horse that if it raises its hoof to you will send you flying about 15 feet. All it takes is that little bit. The whole animal's controlled. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. How many of you have ever heard about the, the most mighty ship in the Nazi Navy, World War II? The Bismarck. This was an incredible ship built at the outset of World War II It was three football fields in length, two-thirds of a football field in width, 52 offensive guns were mounted on this ship. The four major gun turrets all had names, and there were, in addition, 12 anti-aircraft guns mounted for defensive purposes, and four airplanes could be launched off of this ship to do reconnaissance missions. This ship, the Bismarck, was feared by the British Navy and the American Navy and treated with immense caution. One day, some British airplanes were flying patrol in the, in the North Atlantic and they caught sight of the Bismarck and it just so happened that there were a number of British Navy assets in the area And so the British Navy decided to see what they could do. And they started waves of attack. And one of the initial waves of attack on the Bismarck, torpedo-carrying planes flew over the Bismarck. And somehow, as one of those torpedoes dropped, it entered the water and went straight for the Bismarck and hit the Bismarck at the rudder. 
and the rudder got jammed in a position that caused the Bismarck now to only be able to go in large circles. It couldn't escape. And it had a very difficult time fighting back because it couldn't position itself for the best firing of its guns. Within hours, the Bismarck was sunk. All because of a jammed rudder. Do you see what James is saying here? Your tongue is your rudder. It determines the course and the outcome of your life. And if our mouths are not operating in a God-pleasing way, James is going to tell us it can do immense damage to our own souls and to the souls of others. Let's continue on. Likewise, the tongue is a, a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Here in Arizona, we get fire, don't we? We don't have to deal very much with tornadoes or hurricanes, but we get fire. You only have to go back to the summer of 2013 and think about the Granite Mountain hotshots, 19 men killed trying to fight a forest fire. You think about some of the, the largest fires, like the Rodeo Chetiskai fire, started by little sparks, destroyed miles and miles of forest. James is saying that's our tongue. It's like a spark, and it, and it can wreak havoc everywhere it goes. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. We can tame tigers. We can charm cobras. Go to SeaWorld in San Diego. You'll see people swimming with orca whales. But we cannot figure out a way yet, James says, to tame the tongue. No human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Wow. I'm really glad that we started with Jesus, aren't you? With forgiveness, with mercy and grace. When we read words like this, we need to, we need to just right in the middle of all of this, circle back. Because as I read these words, I think about all the damage I've done with my tongue. All the hurt I've caused at times. People I've made angry and upset with me. Sometimes words just slip out before I, I even realize. I'm like, oh, I did it again. And then sometimes, oh my goodness, some of my rants could make Herm Edwards blush. And if you've been there, if you know how that anger can well up inside of, uh, inside of you and then you struggle to control your mouth in moments like this, words like this are gonna strike you in the heart like an arrow. And that's why we have to keep coming back to the cross. That's why, that's why we need grace and mercy in Jesus to understand that, yes, this is the harsh reality. And, and, and flip the page over and write it down because we need to understand it. Our words are powerful. Don't believe it when the world tells us sticks and stones will, will break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Don't believe that. Because though my tongue is small, James says, it is capable of big things and untamed. It can wreak havoc. 
And then James goes on to point out something that he finds completely inconsistent logically, much less spiritually. Listen to what he says. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. Here we are. We've been singing songs. Any of you ever had this happen? You're trying to get to church in the morning. There's so much to get done. You want the kids to have a little bit of breakfast so they're not scarfing only donuts and coffee when they're only six years old out at the cafe. And you're trying to get yourself organized and you're on your way to church and already the family is in a fight and words are coming out of your mouth and you're tense and you're upset. And you argue all the way to church and then you come into church and you're like, Lord Jesus, I love you. (laughs) Now that's not happened to you, I can tell. Well, it has happened in the Gunn family, just saying. Okay? Yeah, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. We're all in the image of God, James said. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. Brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, and I want you to underline those words. This is so beautiful. James is clearly dealing with a sin, a problem here, and yet how does he address them? You ugly, despicable sinners? No. They are ugly, despicable sinners, and so are we, but he says, brothers and sisters, I love you, we're family. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we're we're all the children of God, and that makes us brothers and sisters. We gotta come together, And, and, and what's coming out of our mouths is hindering us loving one another the way that Jesus first loved us. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Now James goes to the core. This is it. I promised when we started that James was going to give us a secret, a powerful secret to guarding and controlling what comes out of our mouths. We're there. Did you see it? He says it's not self-control, first of all. So many of us are trying to, to beat our mouths into submission by simply getting better, stronger self-control muscles. James says try a different approach, a completely different approach. After you reconnect with Jesus, he says... And because you've reconnected with Jesus, in the midst of struggling to control your words, stop and reconnect with your identity. Why does a salt water spring produce salt water? Why does he use that example? Because of what it is. It's a salt water spring. Why does a fig tree produce figs and only figs? Because of what it is. Why does a grapevine produce only grapes? Because of what it is. The identity of that plant, the identity of that spring 
is what quite naturally produces the product of that spring or that plant. And that's what James is reminding us of, is that when we're tempted to pour forth words that don't match our identity, first step back, reconnect with Jesus, and as you reconnect with Jesus, be reminded graciously of who you still are. Though you're a sinner, your chief identity is not sinner. Your key identity is dearly loved child of God bought with the blood of Jesus. And then from there, it truly is just natural. None of us is going to go hike up the Horton Trail on the Mogollon Rim, get to the spring that pours out of the side of that mountain, and ever hold a cup up to it and get salt water from it. That is not a salt water spring. It's a fresh water spring. It's what it is, and that's what it's always going to produce. So James says to us, who are you? You are a dearly loved child of God. And when you're struggling, and we all do struggle, this is why James is saying reconnect, reconnect, reconnect. Why? Because he knows, as you know, that you have a sinful nature in old Adam. And because of the struggle, the constant everyday struggle between your old Adam and the new man that the Holy Spirit has planted in you when you were reborn into faith, Because of that struggle, your memory about who you are and your ability to act out of your identity has very short half-life. You may ask yourself, why why does it seem that so often when, when Jeff or Dan are up there, they're always coming back to identity? Why are they constantly drilling that phrase, dearly loved child of God, bought with the blood of Jesus? I've heard that so much. Because of what James is telling us here. And because of your old Adam, you're going to tend to forget who you are. You're going to tend to forget that God loves you, that you're forgiven, that Jesus shed his blood for you, that that cross was intended for you to make you a dearly loved child of God bought with the blood of Jesus. That has those memories, because of our sinful nature, have a very brief half-life, and they fade as soon as we hear them. And not just identity, but destiny. Where are you headed? Your purpose in life, why are you here? To glorify God? The possibilities, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Really, can I gain control of my tongue ever? Yes, because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And the reason we constantly remind you of your new identity, your new destiny, your new purpose, your new possibility, and James is reminding the people here of the community, your brothers and sisters, is because if we don't constantly remind ourselves of these things, Pretty soon we're going to look around and go, wow, where did that come from? Where did those angry, hurt, bitter words come from? And we'll be in that mode where we feel very low and very ashamed and very guilty because we had forgotten momentarily who we are and where we're going and why we're here. This is what James is saying. 
Write this down, my words are the product of my identity. When you're in the middle of it, step back, reconnect with Jesus, and then here's the real awesome secret of changing how you speak. Reconnect with who you are, with your identity. Dearly loved, child of God, bought with the blood of Jesus. And how does that dearly loved, child of God, bought with the blood of Jesus, want, not need to or be forced to, but want to speak to someone who is hurting them or angering them or frustrating them? James goes on and he says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or or deny the truth. Such wisdom, quotation marks, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Now this is key too, because James says, treat your mind as a harbor. And you get to decide what ships find a berth in this harbor. If you want good, godly wisdom, be discerning. And all you need to do is check the flags of the ships that want to sail into your harbor and find a berth there. And if you notice that on the flag of that ship, it says earthly, unspiritual, demonic, from hell, you might want to turn that ship around. And that's going to look like this. Bitter envy, selfish ambition, boastfulness, denying the truth. Those ships, James says, send them out of the harbor. Because James knows that what you think is going to create what you feel, and what you feel is going to create what you do and what you say. And James is really saying reverse engineer that. If you're catching yourself a lot not being able to control your mouth and angry and frustrated and bitter words pouring forth, reverse engineering that, engineer that. You know that your words and actions come from what you feel. So, so start there. What's making me so frustrated and angry right now? What am I feeling? And then go all the way back to what James is saying, check the harbor. What thoughts are in the harbor right now? What ships are birthed there that are creating these emotions and words like this? Where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Write this down. My mind is a harbor. I will be careful what I allow to find a birth there. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Bring those boats in. Got all the berths in the harbor for those kind of boats. Peace-loving, considerate, submissive. And then James says, here's another little identity piece for you. You're not only dearly loved child of God, bought with the blood of Jesus, but start to identify yourself this way. Not as judge, not as teacher, but as peacemaker. Notice what he says. Peacemakers, 
Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are peacemakers. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. There is a beautiful harvest for those who identify themselves as people who love and help create peace in our world and in our little world that we call our lives. Write this down. God promises a beautiful harvest to those who identify themselves as peacemakers and sow in peace. This last Tuesday night, as I close out, I want to tell you what happened. We, uh, we met again for the first time in our growth group. Man, is that so awesome. Because every Tuesday night, as I get together with these dozen or so men, and, and I, I'm reminded as we go through the book of Philippians of who I am in, in Christ, of God's grace and mercy, it's... It's just so refreshing and it helps me so much with the thoughts that find harbor in my mind, the emotions that find harbor in my heart, and yes, the words that come out of my mouth. Because I'm, I'm able to process stuff with my brothers in Christ. If you're not in a growth group, I want you to remember that, that short half-life and that sinful nature that you're fighting against all the time. I want to encourage you Get one of those growth group brochures. It's not in your program this morning, but it'll be at the resource center. Get yourself in a growth group. Come to church regularly. Because, because we need that to be refreshed in all that Jesus is for us and all that our identity is. To be reminded we're dearly loved children of God bought with the blood of Christ. Subscribe to that YouTube channel. Maybe you're gonna miss a Sunday. Go to YouTube, subscribe to the Crosswalk Church channel. You'll see our green flag logo there. Subscribe to it so that you can stay in tune with our series. Download the podcast so that you can hear the messages on the way to work. I started something new in New Year's, pastorjeffgun.com. All you need to do is go to pastorjeffgun.com and you'll get a daily devotion and a suggested Bible reading every day if you follow me and the email will just come to you. These are ways to refresh the stream and keep good, clean, pure water flowing from the stream of our hearts. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we, we thank you so much that, that you've given us everything that we need in Jesus to gain control of our mouths. Lord, help us to begin with humility in our minds. We do, we all stumble in many ways, Lord, and we confess that and we admit that. Help us to, to, to deny the lie that words have no power and realize the power inherent in all of our words to influence the outcome and the course of our lives and the lives of those we love around us. Lord, remind us that what emerges from our mouths is a reflection of our connection to our identity, really knowing who we are, dearly loved children of God. And Lord, help us to remember we're not gonna be able to control what comes out of our mouth by our willpower, but simply by stepping back and reconnecting with our identity. Finally, Lord, we're so blessed that our identity is established not by what we do. We're, we're sinful and we're weak. It's established by what you have done. Jesus, by going to the cross, by dying 
And by rising again from that empty tomb, you have firmly established what our identity is because of you and all that you've done for us. We are dearly loved children of God bought with the blood of Jesus. Lord, we lift up all these praises and prayers and confessions to you in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. James says it so clearly, what you are is what you produce. And we put a little twist on that this morning and said who you are is what you produce. And that's why it's not self-control, but faith that tames mouths and minds. Faith tames mouths and minds because faith connects you to Jesus, and Jesus connects you to who you are, and who you are tells you what to say. So stop the self-control. That's just going to spin you. Go back to Jesus and who you are. Let me send you out into the world uh, today with some hopefully encouraging and healing words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great week in the Lord. We'll see you out on the patio. Greet someone you don't know on the way out.